Okay, hello everyone, it's Daishihan Miller, and we're here with our, uh, what is it, this week's episode of Kuden, Kuden, right, uh, what do we say, the podcast for martial artists, self-defense, and personal development-oriented folks uh, who are looking to apply the lessons of ancient masters in today's world to um, do more than just kind of flounder around, or do more than just, uh, I don't know, do cool martial arts moves. Anyway, I'm waiting for James to sign in, he had a long drive to get back from the dojo office, uh, and so uh, he should be joining us here shortly. We're in a new T-shirt that my wife got me. Uh, I'm not going to stand up for this whole thing. Uh, I don't normally wear Viking stuff, but this one was really cool, right? It says it's better to stand and fight than to run because you'll only die tired, right? Anyway, <laughs> right? so uh, when we talk about this warrior stuff, right, there's there's a lot of mindset things that go with it, and that's really what Kuden's all about, right? We can talk about these things and, um, I don't know, make sense out of the chaos even more. Because not every fight is about fists and guns and knives and whatnot. A lot of fights are about inner demons. A lot of fights are about, I don't know, dealing with the, uh, one of my teachers used to call it the dragons of ignorance and desire, right? So anyway, I'm going to talk about uh, how to make sense out of the chaos and using one of these ancient frameworks. Uh, we actually started this conversation last episode, but uh, we're going to take a look at uh, another way of looking at things and how they actually go together. We'll talk about that and a lot more when we get back. So, the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. All right, and we are here. Okay, episode 161, for those of you who have been following along. So anyway, uh, last episode, we talked about a framework of uh, five elements, right? I threw in the word mystical, right? just to kind of get people's attention, right? Um, and I guess it could be, or they could be. If um, we're looking for things to be, I don't know, we're looking for magic. Uh, James and I, hopefully he'll be here shortly, but we were talking about this earlier at the dojo. Uh, and this is a subject that came up a lot uh, over this past weekend. So for those of you who are in for uh, this year's spring ninja camp, right? Um, there's another one in the can, right? Um, but, uh, you know, we the, the main theme was about using this art and the principles and concepts in as many areas of our lives as possible, right? But we kicked off, yes, pun intended, we kicked off uh, the Friday evening session with a discussion about this concept of the Tatsujin, right? Tatsujin, T-A-T-S-U-J-I-N, right? For those of you who, uh, uh, who like, I don't know, Japanese terminology and things like that, right? Uh, and while one person brought up the the question, right, Tatsu, isn't that another way to say dragon in Japanese? And uh, yeah, it is, but uh, you got to be careful just translating what you hear and the way we might write something out uh, in English, right? Because uh, there's lots of ways to, to do these things, right? If you change the kanji, then you try and change the whole concept, okay? It's kind of like... Um, uh, hmm, let's see. I just had one in my head. Um, what pops? Oh, um, so something simple, right? Um, 
like how to say please, right? Let's say you're going to Japan and you want to be polite or you're going to meet a Japanese person and you're going to be polite and you want to make sure that you can, you know, use some manners when you ask for things, right? So please, right? So if you look up uh, the word please in an English to Japanese dictionary, you're probably going to bump into at least two of these things, right? You're going to run into onegaishimasu, right? And you're going to run into dozo, right? Well, if you're anything like me, when I first got started with this stuff, right, I didn't know any better, right? I, what I want to do is grab the thing that was the easiest to say, right? And onegaishimasu, which it's easy for me to say now, right? But way back in the day, oni onegaishimasu, what, I mean, just, you know, dozo, D-O, long O, Z-O, dozo, that I can do, right? Um, and then you find out that, well, see, they're contextual, right? And while they sound the same to us or they translate the same, unless we understand Japanese culture, it, it doesn't match up, right? So onegaishimasu is what I would say when I'm asking someone for something. It's something we say at the beginning of class, right? We do our little bow in, right? Or we say ninpoikan or whatever, Right. We do our double claps. We bow, we come up and we'll do a clap. And then we turn and face the teacher and everybody, including the teacher, uh, says, onegaishimasu. Right. Please. Right. Please help me. Please assist me. If I'm asking for something, onegaishimasu. That's the please I'm going to use. If I'm offering someone something. Right. And I want them to take it. Right. Please accept this. Right. Now it's dozo. So they both mean please. but if we get the context wrong, then it's and, – and while they'll give us some leeway because, you know, we're gaijin, right? Foreigners, right? Now, gaijin literally means barbarian, right? So um, – and while that is true in many cases, um, you know, it's often they'll give you leeway because you're an outsider. It's like they're understanding what a child really means kind of thing. But context can mean everything, right? So – uh, yeah, Tatsu can mean dragon, but um, in this case, right, Tatsu means complete, right? Oh, there's lots of translations. We'll just keep it simple, right? So Tatsujin, right, complete person. What, what the hell does that mean, right? What we're really pointing to is a concept that I was introduced to and actually one of the allures, right, early on in the training, okay, Tatsujin, right? That's the goal, right? So Tatsujin um conventionally at certain points in Japanese history, um, and it can still mean, right, master, but it pointed to like a sword master, right? Um, so you could say like taiko no tatsujin, right? Taiko is this uh, Japanese drumming that you often see, these big giant drums. Well, sometimes they're small and whatnot, right? Here in, uh, at least in the U.S., right, and I believe in many other Western cultures, right, we used bugles and things like that to, uh, this was pre radios and, and battlefield communication, right? So we would use bugles, right? Uh, or horns of some sort or whatever to direct troop movements on a battlefield, okay? The Japanese, and in, some, and in many cases, the, the Chinese, as well as many other cultures, right? Use drums, big giant drums that would resonate across the screaming and, and all the other sounds on a battlefield to direct uh, troop movements, right? Well, like a lot of things, right, it's become an art form, right? So if you know the Japanese uh, group Kodo, right, it's a, it's a drumming 
group, right? They tour all over the place. They've got their own village, uh, seaside village in Japan. If you become a member of the group, well, you and your family are moving there, right? Which makes it really easy or really difficult for you to call off sick. Anyway, so, um, uh, but, you know, so a taiko no tatsujin, right, would be a drumming master, right? That kind of idea, right? And it could be anything else, shakuhachi no uh, tatsujin, right? Uh, a flute master of, or a master of the shakuhachi flute, right? Um, but the full-on context of this, right, of, of a tatsujin is a fully actualized human being. Right. A, a human being working on all w- with all faculties. Right. So not superhuman, but suprahuman. Right. Um, using all these faculties that we as a human being have. Right. Operating to our fullest potential. OK. Now, as we discussed during spring camp, uh, the Tatsujin ideal. Right. Is something that is probably not going to be realized. Right. Because we human beings. Right. We're. You know, we, we have flaws, right? We, we have a body that's going to age and disintegrate. Look, see, gray starts popping out and all kinds of things, right? Um, but it's an ideal to be, to be strove, strove for, striven for, right? Um, we're always going to be working on it, okay? Uh, in English, uh, there's an acronym that we use in a dojo, um, I can, right? Improvement is constant and never ending. And that's the idea, right? We're, we're going to keep working on this stuff until we fall over, right? Um, so there's all these little things that we can work on, right? Uh, last week, we discussed um, a set of five elements that, again, it's one of these things that are often contested within the art, right? Is it official? Is it not official or whatever? I find it is, it's an expedient, right? And if I, if I think and operate like our ninja ancestors, right? then I'm, I'm going to tend to come at things differently than the, what we might call the samurai mindset. And again, it, it, there's no hard, fast line between the two, right? Warrior, right? Um, uh, a ninja's a warrior as well, but they, they, there's this idea of going beyond things, right? But what I mean when we, when we look at this, and again, this is very generalized. So don't like go, you know, busting my ass and, 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 uh, you know, flaming the comment sections and whatnot, because I read this and I read that. And this teacher told me, look, this is, you know, this is based on the lessons that I received and the, and the working and, and, uh, and the working through, right. Of the process, uh, married up with my experience at using this stuff in life, in, you know, in the real world, on the streets against really bad people, um, you know, contrary to the, to the chagrin of all these uh, guys that like to comment on the videos that go out, like I've, you know, never used this stuff or a given thing that I do in a video would never work on the street. Well, okay. I wish I was not there all the times that I use some of these things that I'm showing in videos, but either way. Right. Um, So uh, again, these things are highly contested, but where the samurai mindset is wrapped around doing things the way parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, you know, the lineage, right, um, has always done it, right? Ancestral worship and all those kind of things. Not that the ninja families didn't have similar kind of things going on, but the, uh, the mentality and the approach to how things are done, this is one of those major differences, okay? So conventionally, right, 
the samurai or the, the conventional mindset is this is something to be preserved, right? This has worked for a thousand years. Why change it? And it's not that things wouldn't be updated or whatever, right? Um, but, you know, uh, it would be because advances were made in metallurgy. And so blacksmithing techniques changed. We can make swords stronger, harder. We can keep a better edge. We can make them lighter, faster, whatever. But we're still using swords, right? So there was a resistance against firearms coming in. Well, kind of, right? Uh, if anybody knows the history of the Tanakashima, right, the, the flintlocks that were brought in, um, uh, one, they got their name because of the port that the ships came in that had these things from uh, from the West, right? And so that port was Tanagashima. They didn't have a name for, for these things, right? Um, so we're going to call this thing that was imported, right? But anyway, um, it was, it was very early on. It was embraced very early on by, by the samurai. But then once they realized the relative ease at which anyone could kill anyone else, mastery wasn't, wasn't necessary, right? We could, we could arm peasants that we recruited um to fill the army right um because we've got a war to, to win right we're gonna we can arm these guys with these things that fire lead balls a distance right and you could kill a fully trained fully experienced honorable samurai with little to no skill well see that became a problem because of the ideology behind right uh, this idea of being a warrior so they very quickly threw it away what would the ninja do? We're going to use them. Screw that, right? Because the mindset for a ninja is anything that can be used to accomplish the goal, improve quality of life, right? So the ninja were all about science and, and anything that could make things better, right? So uh, while I understand the history and multiple history, lessons about how these things fit in or don't fit in or whatever. Um, in all honesty, I care very little about uh, how that happened. Right? I can understand the history, but I can also understand its use, right, for success and those kind of things, right? So, of course, it's going to be downplayed or not used very well if we come in at it from a samurai or a budo kaijutsu or a bujutsu conventional bujutsu perspective but if i'm coming at this from a ninpo perspective right and I, i'm willing to do anything to accomplish results right um yes of course there's a strong moral and ethical code but at the same time right if i need to accomplish the goal i'm going to do that and in all honesty the conventional warrior did the same thing as the same thing as well just because the samurai wouldn't do certain things didn't stop them from doing back alley deals to hire ninja to come in and do the things that they were bound by code that they couldn't do. Right. So shit's still being done. Right. Uh, it's kind of like in my area, we've got Amish, right. They're not allowed to have telephones or vehicles or whatever, unless you're in business. Right. Then you got people running around with cell phones and vehicles and all kinds of stuff. Right. Because they found a reason that it became okay. Right doesn't say it right so ethically is there a hole in the ethics i don't know uh, and i'm not here to argue that 
So anyway, last time we talked about these five elements that really had to do with how things manifest, right? So in our curriculum, and the curriculum for a lot of schools, um, it becomes a way to look at things um, in a way to help the student learn, kind of speed up the learning process, and to help classify things, right? So if we have five different fire lighting methods, five different uh, fire or five different, you know, water purification or five different col uh, uh, water collection methods, it makes it easier as a memory uh, tool, right? If we can see how these things fit into these different categories, right? Same thing with fight techniques, same thing with emotional responses to danger, those kind of things, right? So we talked about, last time we talked about this, this system, um, that's more or less Tibetan. Uh, it's really difficult to split hairs once it's gone through these other countries and, you know, find, found its way to certain places. But um, where we have this, this Godai set of five elements, right, that's really based on, um, you know, how things show up in the world, solids or fluid things or whatever. We took a look at the way it meant these, these five elements manifest within the human body, right? We literally left off one, okay? So we talked about the Godai, but in Mikyo and this uh, esoteric mind science study that we have, um, there's the Rokudai, right? The six elements, okay? Well, we're going to talk about the sixth element uh, as, you know, as we're doing things uh, with this topic tonight. Um, I don't know that James, you'll have to remind me, James is now here. Uh, you'll have to remind me if we uh, discuss the, like the full 10 levels of consciousness and how these things kind of work. That That's not the, the process here, but um, it, it does kind of expand, right? So anyway, the, the, our five senses will fit into that Godai thing that we talked about last, uh, last episode, last week. Um, you know, the, the, it's just a way to classify things to make it easier to kind of organize it and whatnot. Um, now, there's a lot of people that, that have picked up on the history thing that sometimes these Godai, these five elements, were just used as counters, right? Here's number one, number two, number three, number four. But instead of using numbers, right, chi sui ka fuku, right? Um, okay, great. But from the Mikyo perspective, from this secret doctrine, this, this uh, more, I don't know, back in the day, right, more advanced psychology, where everything was symbolic, right, of a grander lesson. Um, these things take on a way deeper meaning, right? And they have served me well. So that's why I teach from it, okay? And they continue to serve me well. They continue to serve my students well. So we're going to use it. We're going to use it because it works. It works as a tool. It works as a process. It works to help understand deeper, more significant things rather than just continuing to do what a lot of people do, and that's just compartmentalize things. And so they've got all these boxes, but they're they're missing this ability to see the link, right? To see the connection, see how one feeds the next, the next, the next, right? So anyway, so um, I don't know, James, you jumped in a little bit late, but um, did, did I miss anything as a kind of a summary that we covered last, uh, last time? Uh-oh. His video frozen again. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I think my video froze up. Damn it. <laughs> those, <laughs> as we used to say way back in the day, those damn Koga Ninja hijacking things again. Bastards. Right. 
Yeah, that's right. You damn ninja bastards. Anyway, <laughs> we embrace that in the dojo, right? When we talk about sneaky ninja bastards, you betcha, <laughs> you betcha, right? Wouldn't be doing this if uh, I wanted to do it uh, the way everybody else is doing it, which doesn't give you an advantage at all. And besides right. that, if you met the masses, okay, I almost have a Peter Pan syndrome sometimes, right? Have you have you met grownups? Yeah, no thanks. Okay, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> anyway, um. What else stands out from the last episode that uh, we should probably uh, get out there before we jump into this other system of five elements that people often confuse? Um, I think you hit most of the big ones from what I heard when I jumped in late. Okay, um, cool. Yeah, no worries. You apparently made it home safe, so congratulations. Yay, me. <laughs> Yay, you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, okay, so let's do this then. Um, for those who missed last episode, or who might be later on, you know, going through the the YouTube channel or through who knows Stitcher Radio or Apple Podcast or whatever, and kind of just listening to these things, you may have missed it when I uh, did it last time. You may have uh, forgotten, or um, you may be just kind of listening to things in whatever order. Okay. Although that's another concept or uh, conversation we just recently had, right? That some of our best students, especially the long distance ones, right? Um, mm. Have binged, listened <laughs> or watched, right? Um, practically all of the Kuden. And the next thing you know, um, they're jumping into the program because they were looking for something full and holistic like this from the beginning, right? Right. We tend to not. Uh, enroll too many. I, I don't. I don't remember anybody in recent history, like in the last couple of years, that we've enrolled that only wanted to learn moves. Uh, right. Well, maybe in a maybe maybe a couple of them. Um, but what's interesting is that um, they they fade away. They they or mm -hmm. they get distracted by something else. Or you see all kinds of posts where. You know, uh, they jumped into this program, but they also jumped into somebody else's program or, you know, whatever. And, you know, that program, man, they're like giving me like the equivalent of 25 years worth of techniques, right? All up front for this one low, low cost. Well, congratulations, right? You just bought a Ninpo, uh, Ninpo course from Bubba's Use Ninpo or whatever. <laughs> 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 Call Bubba, BR549. He'll hook you up, right? Anyway, uh, so anyway. Um, so the the impetus behind this, right, there's uh, and I don't know that I'm going to do a third episode on it. But we're probably going to wrap this up in, in these two. Um, but there is a series of three articles that I have uh, on at least one, if not two other websites. Uh, there's an older uh, article directory called ezinearticles.com. Some people might pronounce it ezine or whatever, but it's ezine. It's a contraction of E as in like ebooks, electronic, that kind of thing. And zine, the tail end of the word magazine, right? So ezinearticles.com. Um, it's still up there, right? And you can do a search on my name and see what all five or 600 articles that I have over there. Um, but I did this series, uh, three article series. Um, and I, did we, did we send out a link to at least the first article last week? or post it somewhere or in the chat or whatever. Cause once you get to the end of one, there's a little summary that has the link to part two and then. At the end of right. Yeah. So, okay. So maybe we can do that again. 
Um, so last week's was generally around the topic of Article One. Okay, but anyway, so that so this is this is springboarding off of that. But that those three articles were based on um, this question that a student, a well-meaning student, had asked. Now this we're talking well over a decade ago if not close to two decades, because I've been doing this for over four decades now. Shh, don't tell anybody. Um, you can do the math on age. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, it had to be, right? This had to be like, I'm sure the dates are in there somewhere, James. It had to be like late 80s, early 90s, because the internet was in its infancy. Um, and there were like online newsletters and there were um, like forums, Right. The thing that predated like um, threads in, uh, you know, on uh, Facebook comments or anything like that. Right. With these things called forums. Right. You joined these things that were topic based, kind of like um, what do we have in Facebook now? Like Facebook groups it was like that. Right. So uh, people would have these discussions on whatever. Right. So if they were into magic, they would look up those kind of things. If they were into auto mechanics, they whatever. Right. So we had these martial arts uh, things and there were some on needed to. Um, and so anyway, there was this well-meaning, fairly new person to the art that submitted a question about these this five element system that uh, they had run into. And what they wanted to know was, you know, how is it used in training, um, you know, does everybody use it? How, how does this kind of stuff work out? Right. And as a part of their question, they had quoted these five elements, but they did what a lot of people do. Right. They ended up finding a, a list of these five elements that was actually a, a mixture of two different systems. Right. So instead of having the Godai, which is what I, I covered last episode. Right. Earth, water, fire, wind, void. Or using the Go-Gyo, which is also used in like Wiccan culture and, and things like that, right? Um, Chinese medicine, right? So you have this other five. It, it kind of ended, ended up kind of mixing together, right? So that piqued my, that piqued my interest. But there was, there were all these people on this, on this forum that were already, you know, well established and, uh, well educated and trained instructors. I didn't do anything, right? I was just, you know, what I did ended up doing was just kind of, I held my tongue and I waited to see what kind of answers this person got before I decided I would chime in. And what ended up happening was the student never got an answer. Well, I guess they got an answer, but they didn't get an answer to what's the system all about? What do these things really mean? How does it relate to training? Do people use this? Whatever, right? What ended up, ended up happening is this freaking political mudslinging debate about whether it was, whether it wasn't, you suck, this is not for real, all that kind of stuff. And the you suck wasn't directed to the student. What they got a chance to see were supposed high-ranking teachers and authorities in the art of ninjutsu acting like fucking preschool and kindergarten children, right? Um it was just, it was embarrassing is what it was. Okay. And yes, I'm going to use that word because there's lots of Japanese master teachers. Okay. Who use that term? 
um, there's a couple of them that if you go to their classes, you will get very specific lessons. And you may even hear stories about how Westerners who take a little bit of information and think they know something and then go try to apply that in Japan, in Japanese culture, and become, in these master teachers' words, an embarrassment to the Bujinkan. Okay? So here's another one of those moments, right? And if anybody thinks the master teachers, including Hatsumi Sensei, were not reading these things or watching because they weren't on the internet, not being on the internet is not the same as not getting information and following things and watching what's going on on the internet. Okay? Just because you don't see them interacting and operating doesn't mean they're not paying attention to what's going on. They're ninja for God's sake. Okay? So be careful what you think they know or don't know or how much how much your facade is being believed. And not yours, because we're all enlightened, right? Um, but anybody's facade is being believed by, you know, those in Japan who smile and nod at them. Pat them on the head, right? Keep them, keep them close to the hip, right? All right. Never, ever, ever forget that there are certain warrior lessons, like you keep your enemies close, but you, or you keep your friends close, but you keep your enemies closer, okay? You keep everyone, including those close to you, always, ever so slightly off balance, right? Um, there's, there's all kinds of lessons like that, right? But everybody wants to believe, right? Ego wants to believe that it holds a special place, okay? I remember, I, I think I, did I share this over the weekend, James? Um, we all laugh. I think we did this time. Uh, I share this every chance I get. Um, over my training history, right, in this, in this art, I have watched people that thought that they were all that in a bag of chips be told by master teachers, right? You really understand. Oh, no one understands as, as well as you do. Right. You need to you need to go and teach this stuff. And right. I mean, you know, you, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You ooh, you were the man. Not exactly those words, but you get the idea. Right. And so uh, one time I was um, with uh, Shrey Sensei and uh, I brought up this idea that I had um, that had to do with like motivating students and whatever. But it was not like things that everybody was doing, but it was designed to help students get over themselves but also provide some things that ego needed so they'd stick stick around longer to get the deeper lessons right they would stay in spite of themselves right and he said oh good idea you know just saw that you really understand right i you understand what your students need a good teacher and i said oh sensei see oh you say that to everybody. I've seen you say that to people that <laughs> they're tied to his crap. And you tell them, oh, you understand. And he smiled and he said, oh, see, you really do understand. I said, see, you're doing it again. Right. I'm just I'm, I can't believe you because you do it all the time. And I that just forces me to double check myself. And oh, see, uh, since they, ah, la, 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 right. <laughs> just, um, you know, you, you do it all the time. And. We just 
ended the conversation with both of us laughing about the situation. So, right? I don't know if he, and I, in all honesty, it's not that I don't care. I do care. But we both understood the game that was going on, and I needed him to know that I know what the game is. And so when I'm told that, it causes me to kind of, right, I'll proceed with caution, and you'll let me know if I'm doing okay or not. Because um, if you're not doing okay, they will do one of two things. Well, no. Well, they do, right? They, but they do them at the same time. Uh, like people who's tied to his crap, right? Uh, they'll smile and nod and, you know, invite you to the office and you know, have discussions and pat you on the back and all that kind of stuff. But when they ask you to come up and demonstrate something, right, um, you, you'll get your moment in the, in the sunlight or your moment in the, in the you know, in, to bask in the sun, right? Your ego gets to do its thing. But no, there, people don't get a chance to practice your little example for more than a couple of minutes. And then they pull somebody else up to demonstrate. Okay. The people that are doing what they're supposed to be doing and the stuff is right. Oh, the teachers could play off of that freaking model. 20 minutes, 30 minutes, the whole class, whatever. Right. Um, but you have to be able to, to see, right. How they're operating. Okay. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever seen the movie, um, the last samurai, um, uh, Tom Cruise was in that one, right? He was this disgruntled, war-beaten, depressed uh, Civil War-era soldier who was hired as an advisor to go to Japan and teach the government troops, right? Uh, because they were trying to outlaw the samurai and it was roughly based on history and whatnot, right? So, um, but uh, there's this there's this scene where, um, so he had met this British journalist who was over there, you know, writing the history and writing about Japanese culture and all that kind of stuff, right? Had lived there for years. And um at one point when he's really starting to kind of get a handle on things and he's starting to understand, right, this warrior ideal, he has this conversation with this journalist and he says, man, you just, I don't know if you know how lucky you are. You know, if you've lived here for this many years and you, you know, you really, you really get it. And the journalist who at that, by that point had become an alcoholic, right? Uh, but he, he says, you know, the, you know, the most important thing or the most valuable thing I think I've learned since I've been here for the seven years or whatever the years were. And he said, no, I'm, I'm all ears. What is, what is it? And he goes, I've gotten really, really good at translating other people's lies. Right. Because the one thing that we need to understand about the Japanese culture no matter what we fantasize about it, is that the Japanese have put respect above everything else and not saying things to offend, even when you're correcting somebody else. And so they have this concept called an obligatory statement. And what that is, is somebody who's been disrespected will say something in a way to give the other person an out, to let them know you have done this thing, right? Because if we call you out on it and it becomes public, 
well, then you need to do something like, you know, cut your guts open <laughs> to save face. So they're going to help you not do that, right? So they're going to say something in a way that apologizes for you. You're supposed to understand that that's an obligatory statement and apologize for the transgression with this story overlaid over top of it and then promise that you'll do better and the next day that that thing won't happen again, right? But what they're doing is giving you an excuse that to make it not your fault, okay? Um, so, you know, if, if you were late for something, right, let's say it was a morning meeting, you were late for something, they might say, oh, you know, that, that plane trip must have really tired you out, right? Um, so, you know, you're very, very tired. You look very tired, right? Um, you know, and if you as a Westerner is like, no, 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 I feel great. No, no, it must be very tired. Otherwise, you wouldn't have been, uh, you know, late. You wouldn't have overslept, whatever, right? You're supposed to know that they're saving your, your they're saving face for you, right? They're letting you know that they know that you disrespected them and made them wait. What you're supposed to say is, oh, yes, very, very tired, very tired. But tonight I will get much more sleep so that tomorrow I can be right on time. I'm so sorry for being late. I, I, I am. I'm very, very exhausted. I, I'm so sorry. See, you're apologizing for disrespecting them, but there's a cover story. Okay. Now, if people look back in their history, interacting with Japanese teachers, how many times might they have heard something like that? Or how many times might that have happened with them? And it's not the Japanese person's um, responsibility to teach you Japanese culture. You're training in a Japanese martial art. And especially if you go to Japan, that is your responsibility as an adult, mature human being visiting a foreign culture and operating within that culture to some degree. It's your responsibility to learn what is supposed to be happening within that culture. And the higher your rank goes in a Japanese martial art, having a, a Japanese martial arts teacher, it's even more responsible. You're, you're even more responsible. Okay. To not act like an ignorant tourist. Now, again, I'm using you as a generalized term kind of thing, right? It was my responsibility um, when people go to Japan with me and we, we're, we're planning another trip. Okay. Once they sign on, we will have ongoing classes reminding people not just about what we're doing and where we're going and filling in some history and all that, but we're going to be covering culture. We're going to be covering manners. We're going to be covering the do's and don'ts so that we're a pleasant surprise to the Japanese, Japanese populace. One, two, right. We're going to, uh, we're going to smooth the way for us and let them know that we're not just, right, gaijin, barbarians. And three, we're not going to be an embarrassment to our teacher, to the lineage, to the Bujinkan, and to Soke, and the multiple Sokes that we have now. Not going to happen. Not on my watch. Okay. So... Um, and there, there have been one or two people, two that I can think of, right, that have gone to Japan with me, 
that were, well, one was politely, the other one was not so politely invited to never return to the dojo again on our return trip home. That's how serious I am about it. Okay. So I don't care what anybody else is doing. I don't. Right. They have responsibilities just like I do. And if they're teachers, they have the same kind of responsibilities that I do. Okay. Um, just as Hasumi Sensei has passed the message along, it's not his responsibility or the instructor's responsibility, uh, like the Japanese. It's not the responsibility to teach foreigners, foreign students, how to operate with respect and properly when they're visiting Japan. It's their American or Swedish or whatever. It's their home teacher's responsibility and their own. Same thing I tell my, my teenagers. Well, they're not teenagers anymore. They're out in the world, right? But same thing I used to tell them, right? When they do something and then they try to use the excuse, well, I didn't know any better. Well, I didn't know, right? Okay. It's just a cover up for laziness. Okay. Where, where is it? Where's my, oh, here it is, right? Practically everyone. If you're, if you're listening or on this webcast, right? For those of you audio only, I'm holding up my, my phone. You carry a supercomputer in the palm of your frickin' hand all day long. Some of you probably sleep with it, okay, because you're that addicted. You carry this device, which means you have access to practically all of the information and knowledge that has been accumulated throughout human history, including the bullshit that exists out there. No one has an excuse for not being able to look something up. The two magic words that form a mantra for the Western world is Google it. Okay? So even if your teacher's not fulfilling their responsibility on that end, right? Even if you're just visiting a foreign country, right? If we're really the the the, the warriors and the elite people that our ego wants us and everyone else to believe we are then we should probably go beyond just buying tickets and showing up and buying cool souvenirs. Right. And especially if we're going to the homeland of, of this, right. This thing that we're supposed to be doing. Right. So going back to what I, what I brought up at the very beginning of the episode, that's what this Tatsujin's about. Right. This fully actualized human being, this person, this individual is not just firing on all cylinders. They know about, things and and make decisions on things and operate in ways that the average person either dismisses if they know about it right because it's not important right you know good enough for government work you know those cliche phrases right um they either dismiss it or they don't know how important it is in producing better results or they don't even know that it exists. They don't even know they don't know. I just had a, had a one-on-one uh, coaching uh, thing with one of my uh, students in the in the 37 Fundamentals course in the Sanji Shichi Dobon uh, uh, Enlightenment course that we're kind of doing, right, And uh, today, right? And I only ask a couple of, to me, they're simple questions that lead your thinking through on a path, right? And he had the same response that I did way back in the day when I started on this path. Some of those 
questions were like, holy shit, that, that was, wow, that's a really good one. I never even thought about things that way. Other ones hurt, right? And they weren't designed to hurt. They weren't like a, a, a condemnation. They weren't, uh, they, they weren't a question that was designed, you know, why, why, why do you do that? Why do you think? Not that way. It was just a very simple question, but wow. Talk about a deep, intense, soul-reaching kind of thing that, hmm, boy, that shoved ego out of the side, off to the side, so it couldn't protect me from those things that I told it a long time ago. I don't want to have to think about those things, right? Because they're too personal, and that puts the responsibility on me instead of me allowing me to blame everybody else for why I'm not where I'm why I say I want to be or where I dream about being or going or whatever. Right? And, and there were lots of responses, but his weren't any different than the kind of responses that, that I had. They're, they're all the same. They're a part, they're a part of the process. Right. So anyway, but anyway, there, again, there was just an embarrassment. So back to these, these uh, three articles, the articles were written with a sincere attempt to educate the student based on the question that never got answered, right? So one article was on the one five element system. The other article was on, or the second article was on the second element system. And then the third article um, tied them together, right? We'll see what kind of time I have today. I'm, I'm, my, my plan is to tie them together. But what I want to do is I want to spend a little bit of time uh, looking at this second five element system and then i'm probably just going to reference how they go together how these two go together because um, it's not going to matter a whole lot if you didn't catch the previous episode or whatever or if this is not a path that you want to walk down which is fine too okay my job as a daishihan my job as a, as a teacher senior teacher is to faithfully pass on the lessons not do it for you not shove it down your throat, not make you want to learn, inspire you to want to learn, maybe, but this is a path that you walk alone, okay, and ultimately, right, I mean, what it comes down to is you're, we're all grown-ups, you're a grown-up, you personally, the person listening or watching right now, you're a grown-up, right, this is the person you've always wanted to be, when I'm the grown-up, I'm going to do whatever I want, nobody's going to tell me how to, well, here you are, okay, so, you're exposing yourself to lots of lessons, but the reality is you can pick and choose whatever you want. What you can't pick and choose are the consequences from the choices and the actions and the preferences or uh, dismissals that we all have. Karma. Okay? Any action put into, into motion, cause and effect, naturally produces a given outcome that we can't escape okay so as was said and we were just joking around about this over camp and today at the dojo right choose wisely right like the the, uh, uh, the templar knight at the end of the one indiana jones movie right the last crusade i think Right. Mm -hmm. When the guy drank from the wrong goblet because it was the shiny, sparkly one. Right. And then he disintegrated <laughs> into dust. Right. <laughs> he chose poorly. <laughs> right? 
Yes, he did. Right. We've all had those moments. Right. We jumped on something because it was it was sparkly and it was shiny or it, the sex was good or whatever it was. Right. And then, you know. We think back on things and we get to be our own Templar. I chose poorly. <laughs> but then we try to, you know, do whatever. So it is what it is, right? Okay. As Richard Bach, uh, the author of Jonathan Livingston Seagull, which I highly recommend, and uh, The Bridge Across Forever, and One, and uh, There's No Such Place as Far Away, right? Um, once wrote, we design our lives to the power of our choices. That is the most Buddhist statement that a non-Buddhist uh, could ever say. Right? We design our lives to the power of our choices. It's karma. Okay. Anyway, I'll stop using the word Buddhist because that makes people like want to crack their skulls and go away because they're afraid I might be trying to nail something on. No. Let's just write it off to something I read once, just like I read Shinto things, just like I read Christian things, right? I've read four versions of the Bible cover to cover. Okay. I also understand why the Catholic version of the Ten Commandments is different than um, the Hebrew version of the Ten Commandments. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder how many people have ever noticed. Anyway. All right. So... Um, Let's take a look at this other set of five elements called the gogyo, right? Gogyo, right? So this, if you're familiar with Chinese medicine or anything like that, right? That this this comes from there. It's also uh, the same model that is used in Wicca, um, sometimes known as witchcraft, right? Which is a bad translation. Although some people don't want to be Wiccans, they prefer to be witches, which probably best for their personality, but whatever, you know? So um, it's not the same, okay? So where the godai, right, the earth, water, fire, wind, and void um, outline, again, this is very general, very high, you know, hot air balloon over the stadium picture of things, right? Uh, where that is um, about the way energy manifests, Okay, solid, liquid, gaseous, uh, combustive, uh, whatever, that kind of thing. Um, it's a way to classify things. It's a way to recognize, uh, you know, uh, opposites and all kinds of things like that. Right. The Gogyo is really about the way energy interacts. So one is about the way energy manifests. And we could look at, you know, different types of strategies, as as you know how they're different from each other but there's a quality or a nature about them right that kind of thing in the gogyo it's the way energy uh transforms or uh or changes right and so it's reference points about these different states right it can be used for manifestation but um there it's about interaction, right? So generally speaking, again, generally speaking, there is a productive cycle and there is a destructive cycle. So in our curriculum, I tend to use, we tend to use the godai as a way to classify strategy, techniques, approaches, those kind of things. And that's used very, very heavily in the training leading up to the black belt levels. Within the black belt levels, um, we we still use it as as a way to show, 
more advancing kind of things. But we tend to transition to the Gogyo. And while for my black belts, right, I, I haven't mentioned this a lot because I tend to use English, right? Um, but we could look at it this way as well. But we use this as a way to look at strategic operations, okay? And again, I mentioned that the Godai, right, five elements, actually in Mikyo, there is the Rokudai, right, the six elements, right? The sixth element in uh, in Mikyo, right, atop the five, right? Chisui Kafuku, right, earth, water, fire, wind, void, the sixth element is Shita in Japanese, Shita, S-H-I-T-A, right? In Sanskrit, it's Chita, C-I-T-T-A, right? Um, and this means mind, okay? So the Gogyo constitutes Shita, okay? Chita, the sixth element. Okay? Wait, how does it get six? Well, there's five it's because of the process itself, okay? So there are five elements, and I'm going to name them, and it's going to sound like it's a linear thing, but it isn't, right? I want you to think about five points on a compass, or if you drew a circle, there'd be five reference points generally laid out like a, uh, like a, um, what would you call it, a uh, pentagon, right? Uh, like a five-pointed uh, reference thing, like the pentagon, like the, in the U.S. here, a pentagon, that kind of thing, or as a... I, I, really hate using this term because people get all wicked or all freaked out about it because I'm going to mention a pentagram and people are going to be like, ah, it's not satanic, right? Just like if I say swastika, they immediately go to their, um, their uh, history classes and they think about Nazi Germany, except that the swastika was borrowed from a uh, system that predated that even in Europe, but it's also a Buddhist symbol that, represents the exact same thing as the yin yang or the omyo do the omyo uh, symbol right um energy and motion right and uh opposing uh energy and how it operates and manifests and things like that right uh, you can't study the the taizukai and the konkukai especially the konkukai without having to learn about these connective things and driving forces and and, and things like that that once you draw it out it it's, it's a swastika, right? What's different is in the way it's laid out and the, the swastika is squared, right? It's a square. Uh, if back off and, and look at it, right? It's a square as opposed to a diamond shape because what the Nazis did was they turned it on its axis. Does that sound familiar, right? And if not, you didn't pay attention to history class. But anyway, they turned it on its axis and flipped it, right? Um not my fault, okay? But forever and a day, all people that know that history are going to have a negative visceral response when they see a swastika, even though it was in Buddhism and a bunch of these other uh, esoteric uh, philosophies and spiritual traditions and whatnot long before it got bastardized. But, you know, that old saying, right? If you're ignorant of history, you're not just bound to repeat it, Right? If you're ignorant of history, you can't make good, logical, sound decisions. Okay. So anyway, or you're going to make an ass out of yourself around people that really know the difference. So, um, but 
what we have again, I'm going to list these things and it's going to seem like it's a it's a linear list, but it isn't. These things, they interact. Right. So, again, there's a productive cycle and there's a destructive cycle. So I'll very quickly go through the two different cycles. But what I want to get to, just like I did with the uh, the uh, Godai uh, thing, I want to give you a way to look at it from the perspective of a self-protection or a growth-oriented kind of thing, right? Um, and for those of us who are on this warrior path, um, we actually work both, right? There's one way we're going to interact with it, and we can use the framework for growth, for problem-solving, for knowing what the next stage is and what we're aiming for, right? And how to recognize where we are in any at any given point. Again, I can't cover all this in a kuden, Right. Uh, this is stuff that my personal inner, inner circle students get um, that that want to dive into that. Um, but from a combative kind of thing, I need to understand how the elements interact to jam up certain actions or intent or whatever on the part of the opponent to keep him from getting to that next stronger or next advantageous position. Right. So. Interesting, right? Okay. Not for the timid and not for people who just want to know where their damn foot goes. Okay. That this is way, way beyond how to do a kata right. Right. Or that insignificant argument. Okay. It's not insignificant when you're learning the kata. But if that's where you want to stop, then this is not the episode for you. Okay. Um, so anyway, again, I'm going to start at a point in this as these things relate and i'm going to go around from that okay but um you could literally start anywhere okay just like if we were doing the four seasons okay we can say spring summer autumn winter spring summer autumn winter right but i just happen to start with spring so they they progress naturally from that because that's how the seasons work actually there's a fifth season right it's the dog days of winter Right. Um, that if we understand the Gogyo, there would be a fifth one. But we only have four because some pope a bunch of centuries ago decided to change the calendar and shift things from moon cycles and agriculture to being re referenced by the sun. And then deciding that there would be four seasons, uh, roughly having 91 or 92 days and then having a couple of days left over that they just conveniently threw away. Okay? That's a whole other history. Right. But anyway. Um, so, but if we started naming things with autumn or fall, we would say fall, winter, spring, summer, everything goes in the same loop. Um, and, and they naturally progress to the other one, but we're just starting the list wherever we happen to be. Okay. So, um, in this case, what I'm going to say is, uh, water, wood, fire, earth, metal. Okay. Water, wood, fire, earth, metal. Okay. They progress that way. And then what's the element after metal? water okay so um water represents pulling energy like a gathering collecting kind of thing okay um wood represents upward new energy fire represents expansive energy earth represents condensing energy and metal represents hardening energy Right. So if you're if you're involved in in Nijutsu training beyond Taijutsu, right, 
this is involved in escape and evasion, survival training, that kind of stuff, right? Within the Intonjutsu and the survival training, um, what you have is is a collection of, uh, of, of study areas known as the Goton Pole, right? Escape and five element escape and evasion, okay? Um, and even this gets broken out in many different ways, right? Um, but what you're looking at are using the five elements for different types of survival and escape and evasion skills, right? Water, obviously using water. So it could be everything from operating watercraft and, and being able to read nautical maps to uh, underwater breathing apparatus to fighting in water, all, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, uh, would it would be... Uh, like uh, using land, I'm sorry, not using the land, using plants and vegetation. So everything from being able to detect um, incoming storms because uh, changes in uh, barometric pressure cause uh, the leaves on trees and and vegetation to shift and whatnot to protect itself, Uh, all those kind of things, right? Being able to read that kind of stuff to uh, being able to do plant identification for food, medicine, poisons, uh, utility purposes, like being able to uh, uh, make rope out of grass, those kind of things, right? Um, uh, Fire, obviously, about fire, smoke, signaling, uh, distraction, dissuasion, being able to build fire and different types of fire, depending on whether you need it for cooking, you need to uh, make certain fire structures because you have limited uh, fuel and you need to conserve fuel um, you have wet fuel, uh, and so you need to dry it as you're using it. Or um, I need something that won't burn up very, very quickly, or I'm using it for signaling, that kind of thing, right? Um, the earth element is about uh, being able to read geography and the lay of the land um, so I can navigate or I can hide within it, right? Um, I can read geographical uh, or um, what we what we tend to call mili- what I tend to call military maps uh, that are consist of five colors uh, that are uniform and there's uh, you know how to read true north from magnetic north and the declination diagram uh, how to be able to shoot an azimuth and be able to navigate uh, being able to read uh, uh, the the lines that show um, uh, elevation those kind of things right. Um, uh, metal is the use of tools and aids and, and those kind of things, right? Uh, so it can be used that way, right? But if we look at it from a productive kind of uh, thing, right? Uh, again, water is pulling and, and whatnot, right? So if we think from a strategic standpoint, let's say we're we're going to battle or we're prepping for, who knows, we're prepping for a, a, a sport fight or we are learning self-defense skills, Right? When we're in the water element or when we're using that, what we're doing is we're collecting, we're pulling and collecting resources, sources of knowledge, uh, lessons that I need to be focusing on, right? Uh, research material, those kind of things, right? Um, I might be, uh, you know, um, uh, getting my flexibility in order, right? Or uh, working on um, uh just general fitness, right? Health, diet, that kind of thing. Okay. So, um, again, you know, it's, there's, there's ways to look at this. What, so what I want to do is I want to take a look at a fight, right? I want to look at a fight or you can look at it as a war, or you can just look at it as a little battle, a little skirmish, um, as in the way it progresses. So this is the productive cycle, right? Um, 
And again, there's so many different ways I could come at this, but I'm, I'm going to do it that way. And then we'll look at it from a higher advanced strategic way to keep the other guy from getting to that next stage for himself, right? And knowing how I'm going to apply those things, okay? So again, from a, I'm going to start at water because that's, that's what I did to you, sorry, right? So um, the water stage is, things are starting to come together, right? So maybe the bad guy's looking for a victim. Maybe they're, um, you know, they're trying to position themselves so that when they initiate, right, um, they are uh, ready to go, right? Maybe they've got a couple of friends planted in the corners or they've positioned themselves so that the sun is behind them. So it's not in their eyes, but it's in your eyes. They have their, their uh, whatever, their weapons that you don't know about, whatever it is, right? It could just be, you know, they've, they're, they're, they've cut you from the herd and they already know how they're going to come at you, okay? So what ends up happening is they start maneuvering and then, right, the first punch or shove or words or whatever are thrown, right? That's the wood element, right? It's new energy, right? Remember I said wood is new upward growth. Okay, so if we think about a seed, right, uh, germinating, right, the seeds in the ground, right, and we're coming out of winter, we're going into spring, right, so the moisture level in the ground is just right, the nutrients are just right, the sun and the warmth and all that kind of stuff, the conditions are just right, and that seed splits and the sprout starts growing up just like a, a taproot starts going down at the same time, right, this is new growth. This is new upward growth where that stem and the, the earliest leaves or the bud, uh, whatever, break the surface of the ground and it starts to grow up. Right. And it continues to do that. Right. Um, to a certain point, that's this new state. Right. Just like in a, in a fight or an attack. Right. Something initiates it. Right. And. This is the early stages, pushing, shoving, or a punch or a jab. And now, like, both people are engaged, right? One's moving in, one's trying to adapt to it, whatever, right? Um, and then what ends up happening is the flower blooms, right? And there's a whole phase of that where it's opening up and, you know, flowers are blossoming and stuff like that or the fruit, right? It's growing, you know, that kind of stuff, right? And so there's this life and vibrancy, right? In, a, in an attack or a battle, this is like all out, you know, as my grandfather used to say, assholes and tin cups, right? Shit's flying all over the place, right? It just, it's all energy, right? It's just, right? Everything is out and going, okay? So it's in full bloom, right? It's in, it's in, it's not new anymore, right? It's not, it's not positioning. It's not any of that stuff. It's. Right. The bullets are flying. The blades are flying. The fists are flying. Assholes are flying. Whatever. Right. OK. But what ends up happening is that energy. Right. Will end up cooking itself off. Right. It starts to wane because. Right. It. it it's it's kind of running its course. Right. So just like with the flower. Right. It goes into full bloom. It, it bears fruit, all that kind of stuff. Right. There's all this life kind of going on. And then it begins to wilt and wither, right, and starts to condense, okay? 
And that's the earth stage. So in a battle, in a fight, right, the, the, the glycogen in the muscles cooks itself off, right? People get winded, right? The muscles start to fatigue, all that kind of stuff, right? And things start to slow down, okay? In a, in a sport fight, what do they do during those times, right? They figure out how far somebody that's well-developed could go, and what do they do? Two minutes into it, five minutes into it, whatever, right? Ding, ding. And these guys go to their corner, right? And they rest, right? But there's something else that goes on, and I'll I'll talk about that in a minute, right? But it's a way to kind of let them recharge a little bit, right? To come out, back, come back out and go again, right? Next time you watch an MMA fight or you watch a, a boxing match or whatever, I want you to follow the five, um, follow these things in their in this transformation phase or this this growth productive phase, right? In this cycle. Um, now, when we look at it from a different cycle. Now you're going to look at strategies and how people, if they know what they're doing, try to shortcut things so that they're jamming the other person up so that they wear out faster or they, right, they, they have to regroup or whatever, right? Um, this is where military strategy comes in. Hey, okay. Most people, they, they want to learn moves and they want to be, they, then they want to jump ahead and use their own thinking kind of thing. Well, this is how I do it, okay? But that doesn't make you a military strategist, okay? That just makes you a hammer in search of a nail. And then you fight the same way all the time. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. You feel proud of yourself because it works out more often than it does, or than it doesn't. But that doesn't make, that doesn't mean that you are a scientific fighter. That doesn't mean that you're a strategist, okay? It just makes, makes, means that you're a tough-ass technician, but you're going to age or get sick or whatever, just like everybody else does, and then you're either going to be a has-been or somebody's going to wait for that moment where you don't have all your faculties together or they can sneak up on you, and your hammer's not going to be in your hand. It's going to be in your toolbox, and you're going to you're going to feel hammer, right? So anyway, and again, when I say you, I'm not talking to you specifically. It's a general kind of thing, right? So anyway, as things wither, right, and start to condense, right, the plant starts to dry out and stuff like that. The combatants, right, are winded, right, and they, they you know, they, they need some rest. And so that leads into the metal uh, phase. So the metal phase is where the plant continues to harden and harden and harden. It's, it's losing all of its um, uh, water and all that kind of stuff. And things end up breaking up, right? And going to back to their base constituent kind of things. And actually, the whole thing was happening anyway, right? As it's dehydrating and withering and all that, right? Where's the water going? Back into the atmosphere, right? Back to the natural, normal water cycle that'll produce rain, that will saturate ground to germinate new seeds and, and stuff like that, right? But as it becomes harder and harder and, and goes back into the mineral state, right? It's giving up more of the stuff. What's actually happening is that's naturally creating the water pulling, right? Because the plant, the hard parts of it are going back to, um, you know, put minerals back into the ground to put nitrogen back into the ground or into the air, water back into the air, all these things that will then be pulled and collected for the next part of the cycle, right? Um, in a battle, there's this withering and then these combatants come to rest, right? Fight's over, whatever. What do you do? 
Well, you go back to headquarters, right, and you assess what happened, right? Okay, how did they do things? Where were we short? What did we do well? That kind of thing. What could we use next time, right? So you might start amassing arms. But the, in, a, in a combative kind of thing or in, in a fight cycle for, for armies or self-defense for fighting, whatever, right, you reassess. You come up with new tactics. You think about what that fight taught you, those kind of things, right? So this is the planning stage, right? This is the assessment stage kind of thing. And then based on those plans and assessment or based on how you did, let's just say we're, we're training for, for self-defense in the dojo because um, we don't do sport fighting, right? The reason I don't do sport fighting is, one, I'm not doing this shit to other people um, for glory or for money or for trophies, right? This stuff is reserved for somebody who right, needs to be stopped, right? Not for – but you, everybody can do whatever they want to do. This is just, you know, Dashiell Miller's kind of uh, approach. This, this is how my morals on ethics uh, play out. But anyway, um, let's just say we had, you know, we, we were learning kamai, we were learning kata, we were learning techniques and variations and all that. And then we had a, a day where we did, I don't know, one-step sparring, or we did what we call our circle of confidence, where we're uh, testing out or allowing, allowing students to test out their kamai evasion kind of thing, right? And so after that, you get to be, you know, you're laying alone at night or you had a little powwow at the dojo or whatever, and you're thinking about how well you did, right? Which come I, yeah, I'm doing pretty good with that one, right? Um, even when I got surprised, that kind of popped out kind of naturally. So that must be replacing my normal, oh, shit, um, uh, flinch reflex. And like uh, like the come I are getting wired into muscle memory. That's pretty cool. But this other one over here, hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely need to work on that more. So see what's happening? The planning phase, the assessment phase, gives birth to the new water phase, which is, okay, what do I need? What do I need to work on? Which techniques do I need to work on more, right? What kind of questions do I need to ask the teacher? What, what clarification do I need? Whatever, right? So we're pooling our resources so that we go back to class, Right. And we start working on these things more. See, now we're back into the wood phase and we've got this new upward growth. In someone's career. Right. They start off with this stuff. Right. They think about, you know what, I'm really kind of concerned about what's going on in the world or I, I would really like to learn martial arts or whatever. So I start to do some research. Right. So I go from planning and, and assessment and whatnot. And then, OK, so what kind of martial arts could I learn? Right. That kind of thing. OK, so there's that. What do I need? OK, do I need to I need to uh, sign up at the dojo? I need to get a gi. I need whatever. That's part of the pulling stage. Right. And then they start training. Right. Every lesson is like like an, uh, uh, an epiphany, right? Well, that's upward new growth. And then they get full on into training, right? Um, in whatever way that is. But you know what? The more they do it, the more belts they get, belts lose their allure, the more they keep doing the same techniques and whatnot, um, that starts to lose its allure, right? And eventually, if things don't change, if everything is the same, just it just starts to be seen as more of the same, they're going to come to rest. And during that assessment phase, they're either going to need to ask the question, what's next with regards to what I'm doing or what's next for my progress? Or they're going to go, what else can I get into? 
They're either going to jump ship and do some other martial art, or they're going to start fishing or painting or underwater basket weaving or whatever, but that's where they're going to get away from the martial arts. And this is where people that have a problem with knowing, like they still have this draw to it. I know I need to get back to training. Maybe the reason they're not getting back to training is because they don't think they're going to experience anything new. They want to get back to the vibrancy and the newness and that cool feeling, but it wasn't being offered. It wasn't being presented, right? It became same shit, different day. And so they naturally got sidetracked by life because other things had an allure. Right. To keep the progressive thing happening, to keep the growth happening, it needs to be less. Now, for those of you on audio, I'll, I'll explain what I'm doing. But remember, I, I put out those those five uh, things. So I'm just making five circles. Right. So, so, so you guys can see this. Right. So the progression. Right. Make these little arrows here. Right. So the progressive cycle. Right. OK. So you get these arrows. So it looks like a circle. Got this thing, right? So the, the problem is that people can fall into the habit of seeing this as a, just it's just a circle, right? Well, eventually, this is going to be more like a merry-go-round you can't get off of if nothing changes. But it's about growth, okay? So on the Kongokai mandala, where the Godai we talked about last episode was represented on the, on the Taizokai mandala, right? These potentials and how they manifest and how things show up and how they interrelate that way to each other. This one on the Kongokai, again, Kongokai is a two-dimensional map, but that's only true to people that are ignorant observers. And I don't mean stupid. I just mean they don't know how it works, okay? I'm going to draw a different symbol or a different uh, image. here. One pass through the cycle, one pass through the cycle, what, right? So it's every time we go around, right? Let's say, again, we're starting from water, right? We could start from metal. We could start whatever, right? But we, we, we're, we start, we go around that assessment phase. The next time we go around, hopefully it's elevated. Because if we're still doing... Here's an example. I use this during uh, spring camp all week because uh, all weekend because again we're talking about the Tatsujine. The Tatsujine, fully actualized human being, gets there or gets as close as possible because improvement is constant and never ending. I can. Okay. There's this constant right elevation of things as we go around. But what I kept mentioning during spring camp was. If you're still doing the techniques that were introduced to you at white belt, the way you did them at white belt, one of two things are going on. Either on the positive side, you're a teacher and you understand that that's how you present them to people at a certain phase. Right. So you have to know them that way. But you yourself would never do them that way because you've learned other things since then and integrated those in, them into those techniques. So that those techniques are fully alive and what they're supposed to be, not 
just sufficient for a new person. Okay, You understand that those techniques are not white belt techniques. They're white belts that are presented to they're white belt. They're presented to white belts because they embody the lessons that are they're doable by white belts, right? But they're also loaded with a bunch of training wheels. Okay, so hopefully that's the positive thing that's happening. Or you walked away from them because you see them as white belt techniques, and you think you're above them. You don't see them as techniques and, and options and possibilities that could be used in a given situation. So now they were allowed to rust and fall into disuse, but ego decided that they were white belt techniques because that's when I learned them. But we didn't understand that the process was we were initiated into certain principles and concepts that look this way or can look this way and are sufficient at this level. But what do those techniques look like when a Shodan does them? What do they look like when an Eighth Don does them? What do they look like at Fifteenth Don? For somebody who would be using them because they learned a whole bunch of other principles and concepts that now got integrated and training wheels were taken off. Okay, I can't answer that for you because I don't know your context. I don't know if the person I'm talking to, the youth I'm talking to, I don't know if you're one of my students. I don't know where you are in the process. I don't know what you've gotten from other teachers. I don't know how you think about things. And more importantly, I don't know how you want to think about things. Because however we define things, and I'm going to talk about this in an upcoming Kuden, the definition we apply to any given thing creates the ceiling for our capabilities. And if we're not careful and we don't keep changing the definitions as we grow, we will hit the ceiling. And then we will keep going around the same thing the same way until one of two things happens. We either delude ourselves into believing that that is the ultimate level of mastery and I don't need to learn anymore, or you get sick and throw up of doing the same shit all the time and you go off and do something else because of boredom. In either case, both of those people are going to go off and do something else. And that while the one person could still be in the art and still quote unquote training, showing up for class and doing stuff. Okay. Learning and progress, learning and progress stops. Either way, both situations, learning and progress stops. Okay. So again, for the battle, right. Resources are collected probably because of a previous, right. Metal state where we're analyzing and deciding what we need, right? For some people, they want to win fights because they're because of their personality type and whatnot, right? So they naturally gravitate toward, you know, if they're more explosive or they like to be bouncing around and tricky and whatever, right? They're going to gravitate toward uh, wrestling or Taekwondo or martial arts that are like that, right? People that are more, um, you know, uh, defensive or adaptive or analytical or what are going to but we do the same thing with our vocations. We do the same thing with our job selection. We do the same thing with our friends, friendship selection, right? Okay. I, I've said this how many times in the past? Show me your five closest friends, and I will show you how, one, you're the average in that group. If you're not the leader, you're the average. And you show me your five closest friends, I'll show you your future. 
because karma works out a certain way. Okay. Left unchecked. Right. Okay. Um, in the Sanji Chichidobon program, right, I gave everybody the definition of reality from the context of those teachings. Reality, your reality is based on what you have experienced, including your education, your background, incidentals, the decisions you made about them, all that kind of stuff, right? So your reality is based on your experiences and will, if left unchecked, determine your experience and your future experience. Okay? It's, it's this process, right? You either are in control of it um, intentionally or it's in control of you and your experience of it is accidental. It feels chaotic. These frameworks help to make sense out of the chaos and give you more control of things that most people have no idea that you as a human being can take control of. And that is the realm of the Tatsujin or somebody who is aiming for that ideal. Master of life, life mastery, whatever you want to call it, right? The fully actualized human being, right? The master of, master of rolling, a master of sword, a master of taijutsu, a master of uh, running a household, a master of woodworking or whatever, okay? So, but it, it involves more than just like, just superficial good enough, Right. People with a good enough, good enough, right, attitude, outlook, whatever, will never attain to anything beyond, at best, mediocrity. And that's mediocrity within the group known as lazy people. Okay. So anyway, um, okay, so that's the productive cycle. Okay. The destructive cycle is how these things can be used to jam up the productive cycle. Okay. So here's the way this works. Okay. Um, again, for the productive cycle, water leads to wood, leads to fire, leads to earth, leads to metal, leads to water. Okay. In the destructive cycle, water destroys fire, just like water puts out a fire. Fire destroys metal, just like the heat of an oven will melt metal. Metal destroys wood, just like the sickle cuts down weeds and grass. Wood breaks up earth, destroys earth, just like new growing plants and trees and whatnot will break up not only the earth itself, but boulders and all that, right? And then earth destroys water, just like earth will dam up uh, a river, change its course, all that kind of stuff. Okay, and then water back to, to fire. Okay, so if we understand right, that if somebody is in the pooling stages, they're trying to maneuver and manipulate things before they initiate on me, right? Then what am I going to do? I'm going to use earth condensing, jamming kind of uh, energy, right? I'm going to position myself so that they have a hard time figuring me out, figuring out what they need to do that initial charge, okay? Um, again, I, I mentioned this earlier, right? One of the philosophies for, for a, a warrior tactician is to keep everyone in your life 
friend and foe, right? Ever so slightly off balance, right? Don't be predictable, okay? And the reason for that is they have a difficult time initiating because they're starting from a position of unbalanced. They're, posi- they're starting from a position where they don't know what you're going to do. When you become predictable, when you become a foregone conclusion, you're a sitting duck, right? When you can't not do your habit patterns, when everybody knows what your habit patterns are, when every time they start to talk, you do the same thing. When every time, uh, you know, work comes up, you, whatever it is. If they know what you're going to do next, if they know what you're going to say next, if they if they know, dude, you're at a serious, dude, do debt, whatever, you're at a serious disadvantage. Because they don't have to confront you from the front. They could just meet you where you're going to go. Okay? So, right? I'm, I'm always relaxed. Earth energy is about being relaxed, observant. Right. And it's in a state of change. Right. Everything's in a state of change. Right. But it's it's relaxed so it can move. Okay, so I'm going to jam up their ability to get their head around what I'm all about, what kind of fighter I am. Right. Whether I'm ready or not. Any of those things. I'm going to do things that and that just it, it's not something eventually, right? It, eventually, you just become that type of person. It's not about because you can't keep track of everybody and what they're up to. You can't. Right. Um, my ex-wife, um, people would always say, man, he's so unpredictable. And she goes, no, 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 he's predictable. And they're like, wow, really? What's the secret? And she goes, I, I just always know that whatever I think he's going to do, he's going to do something else. Well, what's he going to do? I don't know. So she could predict that I was going to be unpredictable, but it wasn't because I was going out of my way to be unpredictable. I'm just, Hatsumis said they taught this and has been teaching this for decades, right? Attain to a state of zero so that you're not always doing the same thing the same way. My analogy all the way through the weekend for spring camp was don't be a freaking hammer. If you always do things the same way, you're like being a hammer. And if all you have is a hammer, then you're going to treat every problem, every situation, every relationship as though it's a nail. Good luck fixing a cracked window in your house. I hope you like a well-ventilated house because you can't fix a window with a hammer. Well, maybe a part of it if you need to reinforce the frame. Right. But most people settle in and it's like being a hammer. And if you're not a hammer, then you're duct tape. I'm going to fix the window with duct tape. Great. Okay. Now you can have a dark house and you're not letting light in. Okay. So the more we learn, the more we know, the more we can choose the right and appropriate. For those of you in the Sanji Shishi Dobon program, it's about being appropriate. Right. Being able to assess the situation and operating contextually based on that situation, not always the same way. Okay, we don't we don't um, assume 
somebody's going to do something, say something, whatever. We listen and watch and then operate based on what they're doing. That's what the hell our, our martial art is teaching us to do. And yet every day, more and more people try to shove this thing into a foregone conclusion, into a style instead of a set of principles and concepts that allow them to operate on with full potential based on the situation they're in. But that's that's harder to do. It requires more study. It requires more work. It requires more aptitude, right? It takes longer. Well, people don't want that, right? They want the drive-in dojo. Pull up the window number one, order Sanchi no Kata, get it or pay for it, Pull up the window number two, get the video or get the assumptions, right? See you next time in class. That's what they want. Congratulations. It's exactly what you're going to get. Okay? So, um, so again, if somebody's in that pulling stage, right? If they start pushing and shoving, right, and you got this new fight happening or the, the fists start flying, right, what's the answer to to keeping them from getting to the because remember the pulling stage is going to actually going to lead to what they're going to initiate so if i can jam that up i can keep it from getting to i can keep them from initiating okay but let's say that they've they've initiated right they've words have started to fly right the bullying phrases they're looking for how you're going to respond okay so you need to keep things from getting to full blown right so if I add fuel to the fire, it's going to, right? Okay. If I do what they're doing, if I feed that, they're, it, it's going to go full blown, right? The fist and feet and everything are going to be flying, right? So what do I do? I control distance, right? I um, assess what kind of fighter they are, right? I create distance, right? Um, so I can observe and I can see, right? I'm using the metal element to cut wood, Okay. Right? Or what I can do is I can create distance, use timing and angling, all that to create distance so that I can identify their weaknesses, right? And then come back in. So now what am I using? I'm using water energy, right? To keep them from going to that full blown. Now, if they're in full blown, full blown fire, right? They're just all right rushing in and all that. Then I definitely want to use distance. I want to use obstacles. I want to use those kind of things, right? I want to pull my resources so that, right, I can I can hit it with that, right? Um, or what I can do is, uh, again, I can use strategic thinking to get this guy to go hotter, right? Um, I'm going to use tricky evasion and all that. So he just, he, he, right, he's having a hell of a time getting at me. He has to fight harder. He has to, he, right, he has to throw more at me. He's missing. It's going to frustrate him. It's going to, what is, what is it doing? It's cooking, right? It's keeping him in that fire element longer and it's cooking off his energy, right? I'm forcing his hand. That's going to cause him to have to go into a rest mode way faster. And when he slows down, okay, then I can initiate, right? I can move into the, into the uh, wood realm and initiate mine. I want to initiate my attacks when he's in a resting mode, okay? From a scientific perspective, right? From a physiological perspective, right? I need another piece of paper for this, okay?
we've got something like this going on, right? And again, there's a lot of people online that comment on my videos and things like that, that all this science BS and whatnot is just a bunch of shit. You know what? They can think anything they want because I'm not trying to reeducate the masses, okay? I help my students, okay? The more you know about what you don't know, the more you can have a choice about whether you want to pursue something or not, okay? I hope that my assailants don't know anything about this shit and the stuff that I'm attacking on them because if they know it, I have a harder job at defending. The more they know, they don't, the more they don't know what they don't know, the more I'm going to be attacking them from the blind spot. What this is, is the glycogen spike cycle. Okay. You have glycogen, a type of sugar in your muscles. Okay. It's what allows you to go full on like a, like a, a runner doing wind sprints. Okay. It takes about seven to 11 seconds for that stuff to burn off because it's the way the human body's built, right? And based on your fitness level and how well you can use it, right? It's going to depend on, it's going to determine whether it's a seven second burn or an 11 second burn, give or take, right? It might, could it be 15 seconds for somebody? Sure. Right. Um, could it be five? Sure. Okay. But there's this general, we, the general rule we use in the dojo is seven to 11 seconds. Okay. So what ends up happening is there's this all on spike. Okay. So here's the thing. If he and I are both in the fire mode, right? We're both in this fire element. We're both like my grandfather again, assholes to tin cups, right? Then we're both going to be cooking the stuff off at the same time. And we're both going to go into a resting mode, right? Where the body goes into a holding pattern. It's not that we can't operate, but we're doing less, right? What you'll see is fighters will, they'll, they'll go, you know, hard on, and then they'll be circling the ring or the street or whatever, right? Talking smack or whatever, right? They might jump at each other, but they jump back quickly. What they're doing instinctively is letting the body put glycogen back into the muscles. And as soon as it's back in, they can go all out again, okay? So if we're both matching cycles, there's no advantage to that, right? What we're hoping for is to land the right shot at the right time or whatever, um, you know, before our steam runs out, okay? The science is to match my spikes to his resting stages. And when he's all out, I'm using distance, timing, whatever, right? To give myself time, right? To re to recharge, okay? So the smart warrior, the smart fighter matches spike to lull, okay? So when he's here, right, I'm resting as much as possible. If we're in a wrestling match, okay, and he's on me and trying to pin me or trying to, you know, deliver a choke or OG may or whatever, right? Anything that I don't need to resist him. So if he's like trying to choke or whatever, I'm going to be using whatever I need to not let that happen. If he's trying to restrict the body, right? If he's trying to pin me a certain way, right? I'm going to fire muscles in those areas to not let things get broken or whatever. But I can also relax my legs, right? I can control my breathing. 
Okay? So, because what I'm going to be feeling for, I'm going to resist, but I'm also feeling for when his body goes into that holding pattern. He's still going to be trying to fight, but his muscles are going to have way less steam. And you can feel it. If you know what you're looking for, you know what you're feeling for, you can feel it. And in that moment, you can spike. Okay? I'll tell you a quick story about um, this happening in the dojo. Uh, lots of things happen like this, but here's one example. Had a guy one, one time really, really good at jujitsu, really good at grappling, right? And so um, he maneuvered me into a position where um, I, I had thrown him. I had done, uh, I executed this throw, brought him to the ground, and he very quickly maneuvered himself and whipped his legs up and around my torso and executed a scissor choke, okay? Well, anybody that's ever been in one of those things, I mean, he had my floating ribs. He had the lower ribs, right? He's squeezing the diaphragm, right? And, right, it was, it was really painful, okay? So what I did was I contracted certain muscles, and I shifted my arms into position, right? And um, I, I held, right? Because it, if I panic and I'm fighting through that, I'm actually helping the choke work against me. I'm, I'm helping his choke kick my ass. So I positioned myself, and I relaxed everything else. Now, I was standing, so my leg muscles still had to do certain things and whatnot, right? But what I did was I controlled my breathing, and I held that, and sure enough, his body went into a holding pattern. Now, does that mean he went limp? Nope. What it meant was his body held what he had at that time. And I simply went from a bent position and stood up. And he was still attached to me, but he was in a pike position, right? His body was bent, just like it was when he was laying on the ground. And then I flexed my knees and slammed his back into the floor and stood back up again. And I slammed his back into the floor and I stood back up again. And every time I did that, right, if you've ever fallen down, square on your lungs, square on your spine, you know what that feels like. I only need to do it too. Like a, a, every time I did it, his legs weakened, his legs weakened, right? And eventually I could get away or I could get him into, I think at that time, the one I'm thinking about, I got him into a leg choke, right? Just backed out, put him into a, um, an ashijime, and that pain, right, created the submission. But I didn't keep fighting. I didn't keep struggling. I didn't keep trying to beat him while he was had this choke on. He had, I couldn't reach him. Right. So I put myself into this resting mode and I waited. My body's building up glycogen in my legs, in my arms, all that kind of stuff while he's cooking it off. And then when it was my turn, he had nothing but to hold on. OK, so I'm attacking him when he's at his weakest and I'm at my strength, at my strongest. I'm resting when I'm. Right. I'm resting everything that's not necessary to protect the things he's attacking in the moment he's attacking. But if we're both assholes to tin cups at the exact same time, we're both going to be in resting state at the exact same time. Right? This is something that and again, you choose it to use it or not. But now that you know it, now that you know it exists. One, you have choice. But two, you also suffer the consequences of not pursuing it. Because the consequences of pursuing it is giving yourself an advantage at a time and in a place 
in the fight that most people don't even know is happening. And the realm of the Tatsujin is filled with this kind of thing. Okay? So the idea with the Gogyo is that it can be used for growth, but it can also prevent things that you you know, right? Because you understand karma, you understand the process, it will naturally progress to that next phase if I don't use this particular kind of tactic to prevent that from going, right? Your relationship will go into a resting pattern after, you know, the lustful new love and all that kind of stuff, right? What's next for you two, right? My wife and I, right? We've been together. We just celebrated 15 years, okay? Now, I've been married other times, but, right? So what happens, right? Well, we are very mindful of not letting things just get boring. Does that mean we just didn't spend the last two years recovering from a fire and doing nothing but maintaining career and handling tasks and managing fire recovery, family, other kind of things. No, but you know what? There's a thing known as a date night. There's a thing known as a weekend getaway. And while we didn't have a lot of extra money, we could still work those things. And coming out of it, right, we're going back into a phase of vibrancy because we can. We can relax from the anxiety of making sure that we don't lose our house. We're not homeless. We're not you know, whatever, right? And so we now have three cruises booked over the next year and a half, right? We have a getaway coming up that's a reschedule on an anniversary kind of thing. That's going to happen in July, whatever, right? That's working the process in the relationship. There's working the process in the dojo to make sure it's growing and to make sure that we're heading off bad shit, that if we let it go, the natural progress, the natural process that's progressive, that's growth-oriented, right, even for bad things, bad things will grow. Bad things will, bad things worth the process, just like good things, right? So understanding it allows me to use it in any area of my life, okay? And by by heading things off at the past, so to speak, using the destructive process, right, that heads off things that will in itself mess with my growth, my progress and all that, right? So you're really doing these things at the same time. But this is the realm of the tactician. This is the realm of the strategist. This is using the mind, not just the body, okay? So one more picture, right? Again, I've you know, what, what I did, what I did, uh, I don't know if I did that for the, the folks listening audio only, um, that growth process, I drew a helix, I drew a spiral, an upward spiral, right? So, but there's also a downward spiral too. And we've all heard that, right? It's a part of our language, right? Man, he just, his life just spiraled out of control. Okay. But we always think about that in a negative connotation, right? How about if we just become masters of our life spiraling, because of the control we have. Upward spiraling. Not always a downward spiral. Okay? Doesn't need to go down the drain. Okay? 
it can be like the blades on a helicopter that created that actually are spiraling upward that creates the lift to lift this thing up. Okay. Anyway, so um, if you look at the the, uh, the slides that I made for promoting last week's uh, uh, episode and this week's episode, right? Last week's episode was this stupa, right? It's these five elements, right? So there's a teardrop over what looks like a bowl, over what looks like a uh, like an arrowhead that's over what looks like uh, an orb or a ball that's over what looks like a block. Okay, so for those of you watching, right, you'll see these things in Japan. Okay, it's a stupa. Okay, the square is earth, the, the ball is water, the arrowhead is fire, the bowl. Uh, is wind and the teardrop or lotus leaf or whatever you want to call it up here is um, void. Okay, so this is the godai. Okay, this is how things show up, right? This is how we can classify things. This is how we can organize things, right? And make sense out of the chaos, right? Because we have reference points. These are potentials. Okay, how we use these potentials is based on how we think, how we plan, how we process things. Okay, so the um, the symbol that is on the picture, right, for this episode, right, are these five elements. Let's see. Uh, sorry, water to fire, fire to metal. There we go. That one. Okay, so it roughly looks like that. Okay, so it's the productive and the destructive cycle. Okay. Don't get all weirded out because you thought you saw that in like a satanic movie or something. Okay. This is the process. Okay. This is growth and inhibiting, right? How do we jam things up before it becomes a major problem? Okay. When these two go together, what you have is the six elements, the Rokudai. Okay. So what you have. I'll give you two views. Sorry, I'm drawing for those of you listening. Okay. So you have the five elements, and then you have what looks like helicopter blades over top. This is Shita, Shita, mind. Okay. Here's another view of it from the top down. Okay. You've got the pedestal but you've got this thing over it, right? Your mind is always active. Your mind is always thinking, okay? It's either thinking how to get out of work, right? How to manipulate, how to be cunning, how to whatever, or it's thinking about what I need to do next. Where am I in the process, okay? How do I apply what I know to produce better results, okay? It's always operating, okay? So the answer to that student couple of decades ago is these things are frameworks that allow you to make sense out of what looks like just life make sense out of chaos to understand that there's there's some rhyme behind the reason right you can classify things a certain way regardless of whether you're classifying strategies or classifying uh, parts of the body or you're classifying uh, certain types of techniques or certain types of energy or intention or logic or whatever, right? And then once you 
have that, right, then there's a way to look at how those things can go together to produce growth and progress and and um, advancement, mastery, those kind of things. And there's ways that those things interact or that you can cause them to interact that will head off shit and stop things from getting to a point where you're going to be eaten up and overwhelmed. Okay. Um, people that are very, very successful use this stuff all the time, regardless of whether they use this system or one like it, or whether or not they even think that they're using a system. They're just naturally intuitive to the way things kind of work and go together and interact. Right. People that are not as successful, no matter how much they're trying, right. Are probably not tuned in to a logical process. Okay. It's like throwing, if you've ever seen these like metal molds, right. That you can make a bunt cake in, or you can pour jello in, put it in the refrigerator, right. And then pop it out and you got this jello mold, right. People eat it at parties or whatever. Right. Um, my, what my Mikio teacher used to say that just throwing shit around and coming up with an idea, right. Um, not a bad idea, right. But holding on to that, like it's the only way to do things, is like nailing that jello mold to the wall as a piece of art. It's an expedient. It'll last for a minute or two, right? But what'll last longer is the stain on the wall as that thing slid down and made a mess on the floor. Okay? So these things that the ancient masters have passed along were based on observation and use and whatever. And they were just, they're expedient frameworks to help us get our heads wrapped around things that allow us to make sense out of the chaos. Okay. And they're part of nature. They're part of the universe. They're part of us. They're part of our inner nature, the microcosm, the macrocosm, right? But they're only useful if you see use, well, they're useful regardless of whether you see use in them. They're useful if you choose to put them to use. If they remain in the realm of theory, it's like having shit in one hand and a wish in the other. The shit's more valuable because at least you can fertilize things with it. Okay? Empty theory just because you can regurgitate it, just because I can say all these things, if I'm not using this stuff, then the only value it has is in keeping you interested for about two hours. That's it. If I'm not using it, that's it. It strokes ego. It entertains other people. Well, incidentally, it might stick on somebody else that's listening and they put it to use and create the results that it can create. It might influence them to pursue it. But for me, if I'm not using it, okay, but then I'd be a hypocrite, right? Okay. So anyway, um, that's all I have for this episode, right? I'm, I'm hoping that this was a value and it serves. Okay. Um, it's not mystical. Right? It's science. It's not mystical. It's, it's 
it's a it's a simplified way of looking at the nature of things that we can actually take control of. So that again, I keep repeating this episodes after episodes. We can live our lives more intentionally, produce results more intentionally, and less accidentally. And that's what I have. James, questions, comments from anybody? Anything you want to throw on top? Was there anything that that popped up during camp that um, you thought would be appropriate or you think would be appropriate um, in the context of what we're talking about? Or there was a there was a phrase or something that popped up that. Um, you remember sticking for people or sticking for you or whatever? Hmm. I know you and a couple of people mentioned um, the sting of thinking about the compartmentalization of things instead of, you know, like um, one of the guys said, uh, you know, he knows this. Oh, my God. He uses it at work all the time. But he never thought about overlaying it over you know, running the house or the relationship at home or dealing with his kids or you remember that? I, I, I don't do. know names or anything, but that came up from a couple of people. Not the same context, but the same the same lesson. Right. Same idea, right? Yeah. Yeah. What else? Oh I mean for me that was the big one that mm. that stuck out because it came up myself included. Um, with that idea of it's easy to compartmentalize things and forget that the lessons apply across life and not just in certain areas or like the entire lessons are not just bits and pieces of it. You might leave certain steps out or certain parts out in certain areas and then you don't generate the same kind of results or try to figure out what's going on. But yeah. Shinoshi Whistler uh, mentioned that he was really glad that this camp, we integrated more of the spiritual stuff, not just as, as individual little lessons, but it kept permeating everything, right? right. Because of the focus um, and was hoping that we could get back to doing more of it like we used to. And, and in all honesty, one of the draws for me to this art way back in the day was that it was holistic, right? That the way this was presented to me and my peers way back in the day was apply these principles and concepts one way and you literally have the ability to create the life you've always wanted to live, right? You create this life of value. Apply it another way and now you have this self-protection system, right, that not only teaches you how to survive but how to choose like when you bring the two together, it puts things into context, right? So now the self-defense system is in place to protect this life of value, but both together, right? One gives you an ethical moral base as to when you will use this violence, right? Mm -hmm. And to what degree, right? So it's a constant feedback loop. And as it's expressed on the model, I mean, it's there as well, right? But it, both of them, and you keep working back and forth, right? It's like a pendulum that swings, right? You keep working back and forth and you keep working the process. And what you find is that they both allow for growth 
of this one person, but then that life and how, like how I've been able to help how many, how many different types of people, right? How you've been able to share, um, the lessons or remind other people that should know, right. Um, and, and affect that. And what you end up with is this amazing depth of experience in this life that we only get to do once. Mm. That's, that's it for me, right? I mean, everybody can have their own thing, but if we're just compartmentalizing it, I can see why people have a hard time getting back to training. Because if, if we're looking at this stuff the way it was exposed to me, you're never not training. You're never not persevering. You're never not trying to accomplish results. You're never not trying to uh, handle challenges. You're never not trying to improve the status or state of a relationship or uh, uh, something, you're, the, a worthwhile endeavor or whatever. Everything becomes fodder for a a life well lived i that's just and maybe i'm just too tuned into woo woo i don't think so i do believe that um i aim for having living a condition where my head is in the clouds but my feet are firmly planted on the ground The dream is there, but there's also a basis, a base of practicality, right? So anyway, that's me. Um, I know you're working on your own stuff, um, as all students are. So anyway, speaking of students, who's on? Who's saying hey? Who had questions, comments, whatever? Who told me that, who, who blatantly said you're screwed in the head and I'm not listening to this shit anymore? <laughs> Uh, Julia said, hey, Carl said, good evening. Good evening, good evening. Hey, hey. Chris said, good evening. Richard's on. He said, good evening. Which Chris? Chris that we were talking to last week on YouTube. Chris on YouTube. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Welcome back. Awesome. Who else said, hey? And Richard's on. He was on when he could be for camp over the weekend. He awesome. Attended it was good to see him. Yeah, it was good to see you, Richard. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Jimmy said, hey. Oh, Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy's always around. Jimmy, yeah. I hope that convention went well for you, man. Jimmy was all dressed up to go to a convention. And then I Chris has a couple comments on here. Who? Uh, Chris. Okay. By personal experience and failure to do so, the ability to make the connection and application of the Godai in all areas of life is something that is the utmost importance. Hmm. It took many years for myself and only recently beginning that connection process. Only through listening to the Kudan have I realized the importance. Wow. The lessons only connected after I removed ego from the equation. Wow. Well, glad I could be a part of that in some small way. I can't say we don't get that a lot, but at the same time, I, I don't want to be like ringing a bell or you know, whatever. I'm just between what I got from my Miko teacher and some other teachers uh, and 
other mentors along the way and the teachers in this art, including Hatsumi Sensei and uh, Shoshi Malmstrom and those people. Um, you know, I mean, I always had a choice. We always have a choice, right? You always have a red pill, blue pill moment. Well, you'll go through a phase where you wish you still had the red pill, blue pill moment, <laughs> but you can't go back because you know what you're going to go back to. And then you hit a point where that all just goes away and you just accept it. Whether it's hardship on the path or pleasure on the path or what, it's just a part of the path. It's just, it's just, you know, it, it's just the way things work, right? But at least for a good part of the beginning, the choice is always yours, right? But once you understand the depth and, and the number of things that you could be studying or looking into or trying to understand or whatever, on the way to this ideal of being a Tatsujin, this fully actualized human being, nothing doesn't matter. I know. See, I was an English major. That one bothered me for a long time because it's a double negative. Nothing doesn't matter. But split the word nothing between the O and the T. And now what's it say? No thing doesn't matter. Okay. It's impossible to not be training once you understand how broad or deep or whatever this stuff is. Hatsumi Sensei has always said, and it, it's only been like in the last decade that I, that it, I, like it, it, like, you know, I understood it theoretically, right? But man, the phrase Budo is life. That was everything. It's impossible to not be training. It's impossible to get back to training. If even if you stopped physically doing Taijutsu 10 years ago, 20 years ago. But you're applying the principles and concepts or looking at how you might or whatever. Okay. In a regular basis on a regular basis. Okay. You're training. You're applying. Getting back would be forgetting that this stuff doesn't get left at the dojo door. The dojo is the classroom. This is the classroom. The rest of your life is the laboratory. And you're either paying attention to the way you are working your experiments and getting feedback and double checking or reassessing or whatever or you're not and that's why shit blows up in the lab that's why things dry out and the petri dishes go dirty and nothing is cleaned and cobwebs build up and all that kind of stuff because the lab's not being attended to or you know we don't like the lab so you know how about if i just like sleep in then you can be asleep wide awake. It's a huge Mikio principle. Okay. It's what the whole concept of becoming a Buddha is. The word Buddha means awake. A Buddha is a one who is awake. They're not enveloped in that dull sleepwalk living. 
Anyway, what else? Is that it? You're frozen, so I never know oh. like what you're doing. <laughs> well, you're not frozen, but your image is frozen. Like we slapped up a little uh, slide there of you. Ooh. This is James. That's what he looks like <laughs> in a moment in time. <laughs> Actually, that's what James looks like a lot when he's working. It's very stoic. Right? It's very focused, right? Uh, it takes, takes some pretty off-color jokes to get him to laugh, but when I do it, oh, look, it moves. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Fletch said that's a good explanation for artist block as well, that kind of cycle. Hmm. Yeah, but you are an artist. Martial artist. Okay, You start out being a martial scientist learning the processes and all that kind of stuff, you end up being a martial artist. Okay. The difference is that when most people think of artists, right, they think of painting or sculpting or whatever, right? But if you could think of an artist who has tools and uses a certain medium, pastels, paints, whatever, on a certain type of surface, which is another type of medium, right? So they could paint or use pastels, on paper, on canvas, on brick, on name something, right? Okay. You're learning tools. They just happen to have cool Japanese names. Mushadori, Ski, Shito, right? Uh, Kesagiri, whatever, right? What's your medium? It's your body. It's another human being's body. If you're expanding this stuff out to the rest of the world, right, what are your tools? Critical thinking, strategic thinking, creativity, right, observation, okay, engagement. What's the medium? Life. Your relationships with your significant others, with your friends, with your kids, right, with your coworkers, okay? Your medium is the environment you're in. I think that I think that artist uh, analogy is is spot on. It's great. Okay. What's the work of art you're creating? What's the what's the piece of beauty that you're creating? What's the interpretive dance? Whatever. What are you creating? Because you are. And every day you sign your name to it. Of course you did. Everybody knows you did it. So why don't we just do things as though we were signing our name to it? What's the masterpiece you're creating? And how will people interpret that masterpiece after you're gone and you no longer can influence what they think, say, about it or how they engage with it. How long will that masterpiece hang on people's walls or affect how, I don't want to get too deep with this, but you get it. Huh? That's how deep the influence goes. Right? Or will they be on their, on their cell phone buying something from Amazon 10 minutes after your funeral's over and your memory will start to fade. This is the weird shit, and this is the stuff I've been thinking about for decades. But again, that's me. 
James, so, are you still there? <laughs> that happened a couple times during camp. Like the room got so quiet, I felt like Shinoshi and Shinoshi Whistler and I were looking at each other, just kind of nodding and smiling. Right? The room just felt empty. Like people's in their heads went somewhere, but not in the room. Like all at the same time, it was like flipping a light switch. That's when I know I had impact. So Dave said, thank you for the info. And Big Phil says he's on. He just said he was on. Big Phil. (laughs) Yeah, it's a nickname. We had a Big Phil and a Little Phil, but Little Phil was offended by that. So Big Phil had to be Bald Phil and he had to be he didn't want to be Harry Phil either, so <laughs> that's the problem with using opposites, right? <laughs> Gets kind of weird. Anyway, okay. I just appreciate everyone's engagement, okay? Because we know what the opposite of engagement is, right? It's not boredom. It's not any of those things, right? As long as there's energy, it's not that. It's like the opposite of love is not hate, okay? The opposite of any of these things is apathy or entropy, where energy just is not there, right? The opposite of love and hate are on the same spectrum. They're both intense emotional energies. Apathy. I don't give a shit. That's the opposite. And obviously, you guys are not in the realm of apathy. Congratulations. All right, I'm going to wrap this up because we've been at this for almost two and a half hours. You guys got to get a life. Just keep listening to me. What the hell's up with that? (laughs) Anyway, all right. James, I will see you at the dojo tomorrow. Yes? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Everyone else, uh, you know, leave comments, engage, at least hit the like button, stuff like that. Let the algorithms know that um, this is valuable. Get it out to folks and whatnot. And um, I'll talk to everybody again next time on Kuden. Get more of Kuden Radio. Subscribe through your favorite podcasting site or join our clan of serious modern warriors at OnlineNinjaAcademy.com.